Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi, recording from MDL Group. Recognized market leaders in commercial real estate brokerage and property management in Las Vegas, Nevada. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. Oh my goodness, we are back on site, but for real, live at the NAOP June 2021 program. Live being the operative word, NAOP is the Association for the Commercial Real Estate Development Industry. Today's program title was Broker Update, the Pulse of the Comeback. On the panel this morning, a fresh crop of NAOP brokers, kind of. Angelica Marie Klemmer with ROI Commercial Real Estate talking about retail and what's going on there. Tabor Thill with Colliers International representing office. And Jared J. Rad Katz with MDL Group representing industrial, with the moderator being none other than Cassie Catania Sue with CBRE and my co-host this morning. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome, Cassie. Thank you, Hi. How's it feel? Feels good. Was that your first NAOP moderator panel? That was the, the comeback panel, and I, I was there. The comeback <laughs> panel, that's right. The sponsor this morning was Affordable Concepts. Thank you, Bob Potter. The room was set for about 200 and for the first time in addition to being live live we also had the virtual offering for the folks back home which there were about a hundred who zoomed in and let's take Big a sec yeah let's take a second and talk about that so naop took an extra month to bring back panels this was the first live panel last month it was still virtual but with a live audience and the reason for that is because the programs committee was planning to do something a little different as everything opens back up, not to just have live offerings for these breakfasts, but to maintain the virtual offerings as well, because we learned over the last year, one, there are some people who are parents who maybe can't get here very early. That would be me. Like Cassie. <laughs> so if they can have uh, the benefit of the content by Zoom that morning, that that's good. But also we learned that NAOP Southern Nevada has an out-of-state audience, people not from Las Vegas or aren't here all the time with new developers that have come in that, that still want the content. So we're going to continue this and see how it goes. And for, for this month, that live or the virtual registration was waived. But we'll see how that goes. I think it's great. And I do think we've seen an uptick in attendees from out of state who are interested to see and hear what's going on here in Las Vegas. You know, it's interesting. I serve, I've served on the programs committee for a few years now. So I watched the statistics of attendance. In There was a shift from 2018 to 2019 where in 2018 – if we got a crowd over 200, that was like a really good program. In 2019, 200 became the norm. If it went under 200, there was something wrong. It was, you know, a hot summer day and there were a couple sporting events competing or something. Um, going into COVID, the audience, even though it was virtual, increased to 300 plus. Wow. And what's interesting about this, now bringing it back live with virtual, I think NAOP Southern Nevada has positioned itself to have increased its audience from that 200 mark, which was norm, I'm making air quotes, in 2019, to that 300, where I think it'll normalize, plus or minus. That's great. Yeah, pretty cool. Even after the Knights game last night, that, we still drew a good crowd. That's right. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point. All right, enough about that. Let's get into the program, the broker update, a pulse on the comeback. 
You asked the questions. The first question you asked, Jared Katz, was about industrial. And the reason is because, well, that is the darling, isn't it, of yeah. all the product types? Right now it is. Yeah. So, um, you know, the answer was interesting. Yes, it's cool to be an industrial broker. Yes, there is a lot of activity. But no, it's not all, I think he said. Rainbows and unicorns. Yeah, butterflies and some, whatever it was. <laughs> and he got really specific around an assignment you know, a prototypical assignment. So he's, someone comes and says, I need 50,000 square feet for lease. And he talked through you know, what the realities of that were. So you do a search. There are eight options, but really there's four when you take out spaces that are already accounted for and um, functionality issues for the user and, and go try and make a deal on, on that limited supply. Then what he emphasized was the importance of relationships, yep. which, ha, 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 that's what NAEP is all about. Picking up the phone calling the listing agent, talking through where are you really. Well, you know, Tabor, Tabor asked an interesting question about if they're advertising lease rates, which didn't occur to me. I just thought that was right. a normal thing. Yeah. But they're not in, in, many, in many listings. Yeah. yeah. So if you're just, you know, a novice industrial or person looking for industrial space, you don't even know where to start the negotiations. Right. And if you have the other thing he emphasizes, if, if you have old market information, you're, you're really out of touch and you're not serving your client. So, and old market information is three months. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it was not that long ago that if I'm signing a five-year lease, I'm getting five months of free rent or a three-year lease, I'm getting three months. So one month free per lease of term. Yeah. But Jared was saying for, for his product type, that is not the case anymore. Right. And he's educating clients on that, you know, much to, to his potential detriment because they could say, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a terrible negotiator. You're trying to <laughs> slam a deal. But the reality is he's doing a good job in educating his clients to get a deal done. Right. And then back to the relationships, it's picking up the phone and saying, hey, do me do me a solid on this one. I'll get you on the next one. And that's what NAOP is about. And just I think with the relationships, the stronger the relationship, probably the more you'll be able to figure out where your deal needs to come in and give it a higher chance of probability. So, yes, big in NAOP, but I also think that's the number one takeaway in our industry in general. I mean, these relationships carry us through and through. 100%. And another great relationship that we love to have is with Tabor Thill, Mr. Office Broker of the Year for seven years running, him and his team, I should say. You know, he kind of started talking about, or I think you asked the question about return to office. Mm -hmm. So how, do you remember how you posed that? I was basically asking, you know, the, the work environment's changing, and I don't know if we've seen fully what that looks like yet. But, um, you know, what is the office brokerage environment look like with a changing office market? And really, they had ample inventory the last year compared to previous years and a surge of sublease space that came on the market during COVID. Yeah. So in his answer, I kind of said allegedly changing. I mean, yeah. you read the headlines <laughs> is dead. The office space is dead. You don't need an office anymore because everyone can work from home. And Zoom is so fantastic. He did say last year was a quiet year for office leasing. Um, but since January of this year, activity has been robust into what you were talking about. You know, last year we saw an increase of sublease space hit the market. So in, in addition to the inventory that's there, companies that are thinking we're never coming back are putting up their office spaces for sublease. And there was close to a million square feet that has come on the market. Did I hear him right? Did he say that it's number? It's gone. Yeah, it's down to like 150,000 square feet of yeah. pandemic-related sublease space. Yes. So that's, that's good and fascinating. Other things he talked about, I think, you know, we asked about the office layout because there was a lot of uh, headlines, narratives, uh, articles about office space is changing. Yeah. Going into this 
pandemic, everything was about the open office and um, synergy and, and people sitting closer together and closer together. And well, maybe let's rethink that a bit, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the talk. But I think what Tabor was saying is that he's not really seeing that in the office designs he's working with. And I can tell you, even with the CBRE office space we're building out right now at Uncommons, I don't know that much is changing from a pre-COVID layout to post-COVID. We are just focusing on office, the open spaces being more about collaboration so that when people are in the office together, the teams have the ability to really work together more closely. But I think he said 50% open office and 50% closed office. So yep. I think that was what we had seen pre-COVID, really. And he also said, let's kind of jump into this a bit because it's fascinating that you're in the midst of designing an office space right now for CBRE, which is a Fortune 127 company. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Fortune 122 company, by far the leader in all of commercial real estate globally, and the inventor of the Office 360, yep. the Office 360 design, which I think LA was the first one that, that CBRE did in their headquarters there as a showpiece to bring in corporate clients to show them the different things that are possible for office based exactly. design. I don't nice know job, why. Hi. I, hey, <laughs> I will impress you with my office design knowledge. And it's actually, I'm going to tie it back into something specific Tabor said, which I found fascinating. What you just said, um, you know, he said that he's seeing an increase in office-based design going 50-50 open plan, 50-50 closed offices. Yeah. Now, we happen to have designed or moved into yeah. our office space at MDL Group it's similar, in, right? in 2018. And we were, in a way, criticized because we did go with close it was basically 50 50 closed perimeter office. closed office and open op bullpen in the center correct and we did some things to bring in the natural light from the outside to into the center but when we looked at this we were criticized because the given trend at the time was open plan but what Tabor said was today you know this 50 50 thing didn't just start because of the pandemic we started seeing more of that in 2018 now you have CBRE on the side of the spectrum with the 360 where i mean all the bells and whistles of office space designer in there you can there's hoteling yep which is i i am basically staying at this workspace like it's a hotel room i'm here today maybe tomorrow checking out but i'm checking <laughs> out and somebody else might be might be there i don't know if you guys have treadmill desks or not <laughs> Or treadmill workstations. Not yet, but they're the sit-stand. Sit-stand. Like curved, yeah, all, all that. Kind of at the same time, JLL did their corporate design in Chicago. And they went to more of, they called it flexible, but not in the terms that we think about. Flexible meaning we need flexibility in workspaces. We need collaboration space. We need open space. We need closed office space. So they really looked at their company, their operations, and said, how do we work and what kind of space do we need? to do that kind of work, which that to me is the fundamental for anybody designing an office space, not to go mm -hmm. with any one trend, just to know on the spectrum what's available. That was a rabbit hole. So on to Angelica Clemmer, first time also on a NAOP panel and also a new member. She had a little red, red ribbon. Yeah. So what was your first question for Angelica with retail? And so same question for her. What is the retail brokerage climate like? And I think in retail, we've all seen a lot less distress than most of us anticipated a little over a year ago. And I, th I think the quote she said, which I thought was great, was retail isn't dead. Bad retail is dead. So, you know, just it's an evolution of retail. But, you know, the good and interesting concepts seem to have survived. 
A hundred percent. I remember being a young NAOP member and uh, hearing Doug Roberts from Panatoni on a panel right within the throes of the recession say something similar but more general, not specific to retail. But it was something like if you have a bad location and a bad design, there's no helping. Yeah. So, you know, what's old is new again. And with retail, you're right. I mean, this pandemic hit. Governor comes on TV and says we're closing. And all of a sudden, the phones start ringing from people saying, bring me the distress. Bring me that 50 cents on the dollar deal. Yeah. We never saw it. No. Never. And that, you know, it shored up some things. She gave some specific retailers that blamed the pandemic, but were already on their way out. Right. Uh, one example, I don't know the details of Pier 1, but that was one of the companies that she mentioned. The other one, you know, the general concept of the 10,000 square foot restaurant that's a salad concept. Yeah. Dead dead and dying before all this is happening you know the trends are um, restaurants are reducing their footprint because she mentioned that's actually driven by technology in the kitchen you don't need as much space right which i didn't know about that was a new takeaway yeah, for me. yeah she said the kitchen space can be smaller which makes their overall footprint smaller yeah and um other trends or things that came out of out of the covid pandemic is restaurants specifically finding uh increased sources of revenue being curbside pickup which they didn't have or didn't focus on before. And the, the more chef forward restaurants doing things like you pick up your box and then sign into YouTube and learn how to cook with the chef. And some of their restaurants, she mentioned their clients actually saw more revenue in 2020 than they did in 2019. Very interesting. Yeah, it was all, all very cool. And then back over to Tabor. Skip back over to Tabor. You asked him for an update on the 215 curve in office space where you're moving. Yeah. Can't wait. So kick that off. I don't know if you were able to absorb what he was saying or you were thinking about what's the <laughs> next question I need to ask. No, he talked about on commons and um, I think he I believe he said it was 100 percent committed, which I've heard as well since um, since you my guys have the, has the listing. Can't say anything you're not supposed to say. <laughs> I'll say it for you. <laughs> and uh, yes, we can say Seabury is one of the tenants. That's about it. And, and then he talked about narrative. And I think we asked when it was going to start construction, and he said August 1st. So and he has his, his hard hat ready to go. Yes, yes. So we'll all be waiting for that. Axiom is under construction as well. That's right. Closer to Rainbow at the 215 right, on the north exactly. side. And that one he specifically talked about, it. it's uh, owner financed with cash. Right, right. So what does that mean? They didn't go to a bank or a lender and say, we're going to build an office building in Las Vegas. Give us a loan. Because any lender would say, cool. You got to get to a certain level of pre-leasing and pre-leasing means you need to have bona fide tenants signing lease commitments that they will be your tenants when you deliver this. Now, if narrative breaks ground in August, August one, when does their first tenant get the key and actually move in based on construction timelines? At least six months, I would say. No chance. I'm going no, You're nine. You're going nine. <laughs> nine to 12. Yeah, I would say six to nine, but nine to 12 yeah. is probably more yeah. realistic. You could look at a construction schedule, I think, and, and say, yes, it, I can make a six-month schedule <laughs> right. make sense. But then reality hits in with, right. with just all the different stuff. And, yeah. Right. So uh, you have to, uh, t you're asking a tenant to wait around. Now, that's when you break ground. Right. You have to start pre-leasing probably much before, before that. that so is a tenant waiting around generally for this market the answer is no Tabor let us know that just does not happen in office space Angelica said it's not happening much in retail either their pre-leasing commitments are 40% from a lender but really their their clients she's saying they want to get really to 80% before they're taking any 
significant risks. And then Jared, the darling, <laughs> industrials being built with without pre-leasing commitments, totally on spec. It's just a different element. It is. Different element. Well, the f- they can build an industrial building much quicker than yeah, they can build that's it true. an office or retail building. A lot building. less <laughs> to build out on the interior, you know, different than office and retail. With office space, you know, the design, the TI, retail, if you're building anything massive like a kitchen, what have you. But you talked about three projects, three office projects. I think it's interesting to go back and, and look at these. You have Uncommons at Durango and 215 on the southeast corner. Yeah, the first phase is two buildings. I'm forgetting how many. Two s- office buildings, four stories, 20,000 square foot. Foot plate. Foot plate. Okay. Yeah. So, so someone 80, check 000. our math. 160,000 <laughs> square feet coming out in phase one. Right. It's within a mixed use project. So the sell, what CBRE is selling is <laughs> you can come here early in the morning Go down to the cycling retailer, get in that, take a shower, go to your office, to next building over upstairs. Lunch, you're going to go down to that tenant. Happy hour, you're going to go down to that tenant. And then when the multifamily is built out, you can actually, some of the workers can, can just walk over or ride their bike. That's what they're selling. Jump over to the east at Narrative. They're not selling exactly that. What they're selling is freeway visibility, class A building, modern design, fresh space. You don't get lost if you're a tenant. You might not get lost in the shuffle of the bigger mixed use development. When your sign's on the building, it looks like you own it. Probably different, Jim Stewart has been here and talked about it. It's way different financing a mixed use project than what Jeff Lepore has to deal with financing narrative. And then jump over to Axiom, Sansone isn't financing anything. Right. And, you know, it's all office, but three different executions. Yep. Really fascinating. Did you catch on just kind of jumping over to the next topic? They, they started talking about this concept of ghost kitchens. <laughs> yeah. She was basically saying she gets several calls a day for ghost kitchens and they're just not available. So she was asking if somebody would build it because they will come. <laughs> yeah. And a ghost kitchen is basically a kitchen without a restaurant attached to it. They, they go there prepare the food and with apps that are existing now you can order food from a kitchen from a restaurant that doesn't really exist but it's a whole concept right and so it's it's almost like pooling i mean you have a time slot I don't <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like the regis of kitchens i there guess you go. i mean that's a concept cassie you just invented that you can probably someone can do that and kill it right i said you get a certain day in a time slot so you can lease it to multiple different concepts so, right, it's almost like a Regis or WeWork of kitchen space. <laughs> so, early in our careers, Jared and I were introduced to a baker, a commercial baker in town, and he was looking to move out of like a retail strip center and into his own plant, which is a, an industrial building. And one thing we learned is there aren't very many industrial buildings in town that have gas service. But the other thing is, if you find a warehouse that's already built out with a kitchen inside for one of these things, Cassie, I'm going back to, I don't remember what year it was. 2007. It was like be- well before. <laughs> You know, Yelp might have been around <laughs> at the time, yeah. but we managed to the find IPG one. Days. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think, I think it, it was. It might. Yes, I think so. We found exactly this, and it was like before this ghost kitchen thing. And it was a it was a warehouse that was converted to a kitchen, and they had these time slots where this commissary op, you know, production's coming in at this time, and and what have you. He ended up buying that building, and if he were to put it on the market today, apparently, <laughs> this would be a hot commodity because. Angelic asked Jared, are you seeing much of this? And he's like, no, no, just like cold storage. If you got it, I'll move it. Yep. drive throughs though. drive throughs are a big thing, apparently, because Jared asked. And you know one thing about this panel? 
they made your job easier. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we practiced so well. They basically took the next question right out from underneath me. <laughs> yeah, you asked one, they asked each other three, and it, it, it <laughs> gave us some very good conversation. Yeah, it was great. That was the point. We wanted it to be more conversational. You know, the next thing was drive throughs are a big thing. If you got it, Angelica will sell it. <laughs> and what did she say? Well, one of the questions at the end about pooling drive throughs now. <laughs> what was that? drive throughs on top of each other and... Same oh. center? Is that what the question was? Yeah, I think so. What's interesting about these things, when you're sitting up there and you're moderator, even though you're taking notes, there's so much more going on in your mind. And when I'm sitting there and I'm doing the <laughs> Q&A with Mariana, I can ask a question <laughs> and I'm looking at Angelica like I'm totally engaged. And I'm probably nodding up and down. But honestly, I was kind of thinking about the next question. <laughs> But there was a lot of discussion around drive throughs Yes. And one of her clients, Dutch Brothers, was actually doing this before the pandemic, before it was cool. All the pandemic did was say was prove you've got a really good idea and a good concept here. So much so now that other very well-known retail brands are moving in this direction, one of them being Burger King. So smaller buildings, more drive throughs Yep. Yep. Yeah, there's another there's some technical Q&A question about CCR, which yes, I had to look exactly. up. <laughs> Capacity constraint right. resource. Yes. and. Yes. The cool, you know, Mariano looked at me. He's like, "What does this mean?" I'm googling it. And I'm like, "I think it means this." And she just read it like it was written. And Angelica was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." yeah. So whoever wrote the question <laughs> knew what they were saying. And Angelica absolutely knew what they were saying. Other trends we've heard it before: experiential retail. But jumping ahead, Jared coined a new phrase today: experiential office. When, <laughs> when uh, I think you and Tabor were talking about what office amenities are yep. are needed. But I think we saw the shift to more amenity heavy office pre-covid though 100 percent. i mean that that may have just accelerated the trend through covid but i think tenants were asking for that a few years before covid 100 percent. you know it's interesting about the pandemic or things like that is there's very if you really strip things away there's very very little that is happened because of because of this uh, things that are innovations because of this what it does is it amplifies what's already happening and the specifics around that, when, when then we jump to Jared about uh, back to industrial, industrial demand is coming from e-commerce. That was already happening. This right. just accelerated, accelerated it. it. We talked about office space design. It was already, Tabor said, it was already a trend in 2018 that we're going from 100% open office to 50-50. For all the right reasons, 100% open office creates other problems. Like, I'm always distracted because I could see everything that's happening. And if you're like me and a shiny squirrel walks by, it's, I'm st- oh, look at, look at that. <laughs> it just amplified what was already happening. Angelica talked about the retailers that were dying, died faster. So I thought that was, you know, three specific examples from each of them that when you strip it all away, really what, what is new from this? Not very much. Right. In office-based design, going back to that, we came back to that. Tabor said, again, nothing crazy, but more touchless. Oh, okay. That's our, you know, technology that existed. Yeah. Just like when you go to a restaurant. I was at La Strega last night. Oh, nice. Every restaurant you go to now, it's the the technology existed with the menus that you oh, scan yeah, with your QR phone. Oh, yeah, code menus. It just accelerated it. I don't know why. I don't know how you transfer <laughs> COVID or anything from handing me a piece of paper. Next was... Oh, rising construction costs. Yes. So, yes, we asked all the GCs in the room to close their ears because we wanted to, you know, get down and dirty with the real conversation and what it's like on the brokerage side of, of dealing with these rising construction costs and construction delays. And so I believe Angelica went first talking about retail 
and she actually was interesting. She said a lot of the retailers she's working with right now, she's been, these deals have been three, four years in the making. So the numbers they had underwritten in their performance three years ago aren't the same numbers that they're getting today. Yeah, and actually got, taking even a further step back, Bob Potter, our, our breakfast sponsor this morning, Affordable Concepts, did everybody a wonderful service of putting up a slide to show yes. two, two types of material what happened with costs from last June, I think it was 2019 where it started, yep. to now where it peaked and sort of where it is now. And it's basically tripled in price. Is that stopping a project? Angelica says no in retail. Bob showed us why not, because when you have solid NAOP professionals like Affordable Concepts, they will sit down with all the stakeholders and say, okay, let's figure this out. If we can't use this, pro this product, maybe we'll use this product, but they're creating a solution. So from Angelica's perspective, for her retail projects, she's waiting for the call, she said, but so yeah. far she's not gotten the call that it's not going because of construction costs. On the TI side for office, Tabor gave us a history lesson. Yeah. That Long, you said I think, before our time. Predates you, <laughs> predates me. $28 a square yeah. foot for a TI. Yeah, so when you're negotiating an office lease, one of the levers for negotiation is the tenant improvement contribution that a landlord gives to a tenant. And there's a few ways to slice and dice this from the, the spectrum is I'm giving you nothing. You're taking the space as is. If you want to improve it, no problem. Spend your money. You just I just have to approve it all the way to whatever the cost is. I will turn key the space to the spec that we agree to. What normally happens is somewhere in between where the landlord and the tenant come up with a number, which is a tenant improvement allowance. And Tabor said in 2006, the normal number for the market was $28 a square foot. I think it was in 2002. But yeah, so maybe from I two said during the recession, it peaked around. OK, 50. OK, OK. From 2002 to about 2006, 2007, about the recession, it got up to 35 to 40. And then it got I don't know when it got up to 50. It was recession, post recession, post recession. I believe. But but a portion of that was amortized back into the lease, meaning we're going to take we'll give you 30 that we're paying, but 20 dollars of it. We're going to do an amortization schedule and increase your rate so I'm getting paid back faster as the landlord. Now he's saying it's between 60 and $65 a square foot, with some landlords willing to go up to $90 to $100 a square foot for the right deal. You, you need at least math. 90 to 100 Let me get my calculator. Bucks a square foot right now. Let me get my calculator. Would 65 bucks a square foot have worked for your TI two years ago? Good question. 65 I bet yours was more yeah. than 65 two years ago. No, it was probably about that, I think. Okay. But let's but you go. couldn't do it today. Let's go back here and say if a landlord is giving a tenant $60 a square foot, and we have, let's just say it's a 7,500 square foot tenant, kind of a right up the fairway office deal, that's $450,000. Right. That you're, you're, this landlord is cutting a check for. That's a lot of money. Right. Yep. He said at uh, market rates today, using the average number for TIs, it takes three years for a landlord to recoup the TI outlay on a lease. So as a result, what they're seeing more, which surprised me, and I think it surprised you because you asked about it, they're seeing um, leases go to seven and 12 years. I was I was shocked by that. Yeah, especially post-COVID when we hear the headlines saying people are scared to sign long-term leases, but he's still seeing long-term leases signed today. The office is dead. The office is dead. You asked about predictions. Let's stay with Tabor for a second and, and a couple of his predictions. He held up his cell phone to the audience and he says, we all have one of these and we all know that these track people. And if you want to see where things are going, 
do yourself a favor and do a Google search. This is what you want to type in. Google Office Space. And then the next one is uh, Apple Office Space. And see what Google and Apple, which we know, Apple invented this thing. Google has been tracking people forever. They are tracking people and their movement and behaviors and productivity better than anybody else on earth and see what they're doing around office space, which he said they are making big, big bets in people returning to the office and they're spending a lot of money in their office spaces. So his bet is he's going where, where the money is. He doesn't see that the office is going anywhere. Yes, and I think he his prediction was a decrease in um, office vacancy over the next year. And to quote Tabor, so it's on record. 10% office vacancy by the end of 2022. All right. We'll come back and, and see if how close he is to that. And the caveat is not on East Flamingo, ladies <laughs> yes, and gentlemen. Um, Jared's prediction? Lease rates are going to continue to climb, and he needs more land. <laughs> yeah. If anybody is listening that has 10 to 20 <laughs> acres of saleable industrial land, please call Jared Katz at 702-388-1800. <laughs> and if you have uh, an acre of retail land, Angelica's <laughs> prediction was... She, she needs more land also, so yes. she said, if you have an acre of retail land, please call her. <laughs> yes, I don't have her phone number memorized. I'm sorry. Angelica Clummer, ROI Commercial. There you go. She's on social media, so you can find her. And your prediction? An increase in tourism. Yes, through the end of the year. Yeah, uh, we'll just you know, kind of go back a step. You did ask her about, um, her being Angelica, about strip retail and what's happening there. And I'm, I'm stunned by her so, reports. Yes. Well, she gave an example at the Grand Bazaar shops. One of the tenants, and I believe it was less than 200 square feet, was doing $24,000 in sales per square foot. Bonkers. Crazy. Grand Bazaar is where Bally's is. In front is. of the Bally's. In the front of the Bally's. Yeah. Right They've, on Las Vegas Boulevard and Flamingo. Yes. They redeveloped that area, and they had the project going for about seven years to make it more retail right there. And she said... These right now are the highest volume of sales that those retailers are having since the project started. And all of this started to increase in March. So back to dovetail to your prediction, increase in tourism. The other thing that she reported was most of the tourism that we're seeing on the strip right now, which we're seeing plenty of, is domestic. Yep. There has not been a significant return of international travel. So Cassie, I'm with you on that prediction. Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> Viva Las Vegas. Any other takeaways to share? I mean, I she mentioned 70,000 square feet of retail coming online, I think, Monday, right, with Resorts World opening. So we'll see what that mix of retail looks like and how that does. Uh, I think the example Jared gave about that land that he had listed and couldn't get $6 a square foot a few years back, and he heard it's an escrow right now at thirteen over $13 a square foot by a developer. It just goes to show the industrial craze that we're all living in right now. And I, I think we also talked about e-commerce growing over 40% last year and how Amazon itself is buying about 40% of the steel. Somebody mentioned that. Those Amazonians are causing us a <laughs> ruckus. Um, employment, of course, came up. Hot topic for all of us. It's tough right now to, to find employees. And we've seen some restaurants close saying, sorry, Love to be here, but we can't get it. we can't get it workers, so we have no employees to open the restaurant. You know, every restaurant I go into has a sign on it. Everyone has a sign that says now hiring. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the last one of the 
questions from the audience I thought was a good one was asking, you know, how has marketing changed during and post COVID? I think always marketing is the <laughs> hot topic for us in brokerage. That's basically what we do is yep. <laughs> market All properties. Day. And so um, I think the panelists mentioned more digital marketing, lots of video tours and utilizing social media. So it was a little bit of change in what we've seen. I definitely think I've seen a lot more virtual and video tours in the last 18 months probably than I had prior. And that became a necessity when people can't come out, either come out to town to tour or don't want to go out of their homes to tour. So we just send the tour to them via, via video. And technology has helped a lot with that and making it easier to do those things. And that question, by the way, was asked by none other than Ruth Furman. Nice. Who was here this morning. <laughs> yes, and Jared mentioned, I think, making sure you're brochures are more complete with more complete information so that people have more information available in the beginning and at their fingertips. Amen. Anything else? I'll just mention one more thing that, that Jared Katz said, and we absolutely saw it here today, that memories are short. Yes. We saw it here this morning. There are 200 people in the room, just a few people wearing masks. So the assumption is that most everybody is vaccinated and comfortable being out and about with people. Jared talked about being at a Golden Knights game either last night or any time this week and just looking around full capacity crowds, hugging, high-fiving your, your, the neighbors behind you. That was unthinkable just a few months ago and how short memories are. Vegas has always been strong and resilient and has bounced back and has already bounced back and will continue to do so. Cassie, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Thank you, Haim. Congra- thank you for the panel this morning. Congratulations on your NAOP debut. <laughs> thank I, you. I imagine we'll be seeing much more of you. <laughs> thank you very much. That concludes this episode of Takeaways. Mark your calendars for Thursday, July 15th, for the next NAOP breakfast program. If you like what you heard today, don't forget, leave us a comment, leave us a review. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.